Hello and welcome to the Tech Raptor podcast. My name is Andrew Stretch. I will be your podcast host for today. Um, and with me today, I have Andrew Rotten, editor in chief. Rutledge Doggett, site founder. And no one with an additional dumb quip. That's right. Robert is not here. Um, we'll have some playful banter about how he's dead. Such a yeah. shame. Uh, we'll probably publish his obit on Monday, I think. No funeral services because we're. Yeah, we just wanted to be over with. That's true. Yeah, just yeah. like move on where we can. Exactly. But today we will be chatting about some news. Uh, Final Fantasy Battle Royale is shutting down. Don't Nod's uh, very ambitious plan to release eight games in the next three years and Nintendo getting in a little bit of hot legal water. Not the first time. <laughs> Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I think every company nowadays is kind of building up their own little track record. I don't know when you're worth billions of dollars, <laughs> you're going to be in court a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. To uh, to start us off, the Final Fantasy VII: The First Soldier mobile only uh, battle royale title is getting shut down in January. Oh no! Uh, this title first launched last November. So we're not even at a year of it being out, and it has been announced that it is getting shut down. Yeah, yeah I played a little bit of it at launch. Just a bit. Just a bit. I think I played like ten, fifteen games. Uh, I mean, the con control scheme was a, a mobile control scheme, but the mechanics were at least interesting, and they they had a good spin on just Final Fantasy in general, from uh, weapons and uh, being able to find materia. Uh, and then kind of a, a PVE PVP slash merge like to where you can level up your character by killing monsters in the kind of open world, which would give you higher stats for combat and health and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the traditional uh, closing circle. Um, Do you know if they had controller support as well? Because I know that that can sometimes be kind of hit and miss in mobile games. I don't know because I don't play many mobile games, so I don't have a controller. Um, mainly played it because one, I love battle royales and two, I love Final Fantasy. So <laughs> I had to see if it was good. And I think had they brought it to PC, it probably would have done better. It's definitely a, a unique strategy to go mobile only uh, without that that additional like backing of, of a secondary platform. Yeah. yeah. Well, we talked we talked a little bit about it before we started recording, but I do wonder. I, I'd be curious to know what the battle royale numbers just in general are in Japan, and if they were thinking, "Oh, we can corner that market that nobody's really gotten into," because it's a popular genre, obviously worldwide. Yeah. But, but I have no idea how it is in Japan, and if Square is like, "Oh, obviously, you know, people in Japan love Final Fantasy. We can definitely make a battle royale and and." corner of that because i know mobile gaming is probably bigger there than anywhere in the world well asia in general but japan specifically i know it's massive yep um i wonder if that was the idea that just didn't didn't grab on there mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think in 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 that region too like you said they wanted to try and corner the battle royale market but they also do themselves a disservice not pushing the pc with how big that platform is for that genre yeah. Um, Japan or no. I mean, I think you miss out on on large streamers that that's their bread and butter, Tarkov True. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think it probably could have seen more success with a PC release that uh, had some level of influencer marketing with it. Well, I think that that's something that like seems to be like Japanese company specific where it's like a lot of them are realizing now like, oh, yeah, like putting stuff on PC is actually a good idea. <laughs> Because we're seeing a lot of the big Japanese companies do that more often now, including mm -hmm. Square Enix. So I wonder if that'll be some kind of internal discussion like, oh, yeah, why wouldn't we also do this? I mean, that's uh, just been a general shift in the landscape in general, looking at yeah, Xbox yeah. and PlayStation as well. Just like, fuck, why not? Throw I think the new Crisis Core is coming to PC at launch, right? Yep. Yeah, it's coming to everything. It's coming to Switch, which yeah. is odd that Final <laughs> Fantasy VII took a year to come to PC no word whatsoever on any other releases but then the approach that they're taking with crisis core um is is put it on everything uh, i wonder I if when they pushed it yeah i wonder if when they pushed it to pc2 they saw 
the bigger numbers <laughs> and we're like probably huh maybe we should do that and yeah. here we are and this has also not been square enix's first um dabbling in uh in mobile games as well with what we've had 15 pocket edition which was like a chibi version yeah, of yeah. 15 truncated down then we had that game that was just Sephiroth riding down the highway that was a bit more of like an idle runner-esque thing. Yeah. Now we've had a Battle Royale, and then we've also got that Final Fantasy VII compilation game coming out yeah. that's meant to be like... You play through the original game, essentially. Yeah, everything. But I guess I guess when it was first announced, there was a whole lot of question of, why would I want to play this on my mobile if the PlayStation version is going to look and run way better? And if the mobile game is now their updated version of the original without the remake fucking with the timeline, um, that may make a bit more sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprising not to see it. Uh, I'll just think back to that PC thing because, like, that's like free to play stuff, like, was born on PC and PC people are very used to fiddling with that, mm-hmm. trying something out. So it's very ripe for people to get in on that, particularly if it's uh, something that's not graphically intensive because then it just opens the market more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it was not graphically intensive, so it could have easily run on yeah. most people's systems. Um, well, I'm assuming, yeah, if it runs on a, a phone, it, it'd run on a, a wide breadth yeah. of PCs. Well, and with the mechanics, it would have adapted well, too. Um, so it's not like they would have had to completely overhaul the systems for PC. So it's just... I don't know. It's interesting that they didn't consider or even say like a couple months in, oh, this isn't really working. Let's try PC is, is interesting. I'm all for, I love these, these companies like PlayStation putting more stuff out on PC. I think it benefits everybody. I mean, yeah, for a lot of people, if you love a game on PlayStation, it comes to PC, you may buy it in both places. Like for me, horizon zero dawn, was one that I beat on PS4 and immediately bought on PC. Um, Final Fantasy VII. Like, I don't understand you. You're you're the dope that they hope is out there. <laughs> Listen, I've only got six copies of Skyrim. All right. Yeah, um, it's like he's not quite a whale, but he's like a large manatee, like a largish manatee. We can we can get him to buy at least two copies of our game. Yeah. <laughs> Are there achievements on both platforms? Uh, so. I will leave. <laughs> we talk about fucking achievements again. I'll I'll circle back. Uh, you know, I'm sure that everyone is waiting to hear how I've gone with with Despot's game, but we'll circle back to uh oh, to God. that later. <laughs> so French studio um, Don't Nod is going to be, and I want to make sure that I get this right. They're going to be publishing eight games between next year and 2025. Um, in the research that Pat put into this article, looks like Don't Nod has only released seven games since 2008. So to release, crazy. to to publish it's a further nuts. eight, and I think it's they're, they're publishing eight of them. Um, five, or, sorry, sorry, no, they are developing eight games. Five of them are self-published and three others are being co-published with other companies. So I got that mixed up. They're developing eight in the next uh, two, wild. three years, which is absolutely unreal. <laughs> Especially when I didn't, I don't think, I never thought that Don't Nod was that big of a company. Like, decent size, but not to be like making even multiple games at once. I would have been like, wow, they're big. Yeah, my, my wonder is whether, you know, they'll have had a whole bunch of stuff on like the cutting room floor in a similar vein to Life is Strange or their other like narrative games and whether they'll yeah. want to be like delivering shorter, punchier, like this would be a five hour experience of a game, but it'll be a five hour narrative yeah. experience. It'll or blow you think your some mind. Of it's like, here's remember me remastered and here's vampire or vampire <laughs> remastered. There's two or something like that. Which, uh, all right. That'd be cool. Uh, the one thing that is interesting about don't not doing it is that maybe all their games don't land with people but they're always they try you interesting ideas and mm-hmm. i'm so i'm always like oh that sounds really cool don't know if it'll work 
but it sounds interesting. So I'm down for whatever they well, got. They have going a lot probably. of cash reserves, like a lot to to do this as well. You know, 45 million in cash to essentially roll out eight games over the next two years on top of increasing their number of staff to have six in-house pipelines running at once. So like they're, they are definitely expanding their, their internal operations to accommodate these eight games. Um, Who knew life is strange was that popular. Pretty popular. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's because that's their one big hit. Yeah. Uh, that one has has done very very well for them um so it'll be interesting to see because five of them they're going to self-publish so they might kind of have the opportunity to do some interesting stuff uh, yeah i wonder if they'll do something more like life is strange or probably one of them what was it they did that twin mirror game right was that mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. yeah people seem to it was like kind of eh, what didn't quite hit what people thought of with life is strange but it's still all right yeah, so I imagine like there, there'll be some game like that. Yeah, their games will never, or at least you know, so far their games have never like hit the mainstream. I would say, Life is Strange. Uh, I'd say I think probably, yeah, Life yeah. is Strange is probably the the closest, or at least yeah. they're not games that target the mainstream. I think Life yeah. is Strange captured the mainstream, but if you had given me like the the you know on paper, this is yeah. the pitch for this game, I would have been like, well, some people are gonna love it. A lot of people will not care. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, um, we, I think Life is Strange probably still didn't capture the main. If you're thinking mainstream gaming audiences, those are your your Call of Duty people, yeah, and etc. Definitely not triple. Probably level. probably not yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah. Not, yeah. No, not like not like <laughs> the the FIFA Bros and stuff. yeah, your just dudes. the idea that that they're able to take these games and the people that it does hit talk highly of that stuff. Oh, yeah. Like I know that I know that you know rob god rest his soul um he's a big fan of of the don't yeah. know games yeah so, uh, nick really and we've got a lot happy. of staff that, that <laughs> and... <laughs> who are you talking about happy who's that oh right he's dead my bad. already already dead to art i don't know that's it that's and how you move on a week oh. um <laughs> yeah i think i I'll be interested to see what they do. Like, I think I like seeing these like double a level publishers kind of just create things that they think are interesting Mm -hmm. and kind of step away from the formula. I think that, um, and they're partnering with focus home on one, which focus home does a lot of that kind of solid double a, um, size games, which, you know, are still very popular. They're not triple a levels, but they are, still solid investments they create cool stories and a lot of people play them so there's probably a good chance that at least half of these are good <laughs> hey, oh, i mean and i mean at least half of them a company releasing um like what four good games in in the space of three years that's a success that's yeah a success. that's pretty good <laughs> oh yeah but like i was saying before like I, I guarantee there'll there'll be some interesting idea going on there Mm-hmm. In any of them, like it'll be something that's worth checking out or seeing how whatever that idea is works. Well, um, they did something fun with with the Life is Strange with the latest one, like the reading emotions. Like, I think that if they have just like a core gimmick, uh, so that wasn't them. But yeah, no, they've so for for Don't Not, they only did the original Life is Strange. They've done none of the other ones. Didn't they do Tell Me Why? They did that. Oh, no, I thought right. that was yeah. tell me why. Tell me why it was a different one. Yeah. Okay, no. Okay. So yeah. No, I just I'm not familiar. Yeah. So they yeah, did so the they first did the Life original. Yeah. They oh, did the original. But since then, it's been a different company. That's that's main. That's interesting. It. Yeah. But we. I guess I mean, I'm gonna go dive down a rabbit hole after this because apparently I did <laughs> not read enough yeah. beforehand. But. I mean, it's just like the Life of Strange was, I don't know if I'd say revolutionized, but definitely elevated that kind of genre, the adventure genre, mm-hmm. adventure game genre, which, you know, Telltale had been riding high on and hadn't really <laughs> changed their formula. <laughs> yeah, they hadn't really changed their formula forever. Then Life of Strange came in. It's like, oh, it's breath of fresh air kind of in this you know, different kind of story, different way they presented it. Um, so if they're looking at that kind of, 
and that, that, that kind of stuff because they seem to um focus on kind of those more niche genres mm-hmm. uh, and if they're trying to do unique things with those that would be i'm all for it mm-hmm. cool over in nintendo's court we have after a labor complaint was brought up against them by a qa tester who was subsequently fired for asking questions about unionization um that uh everything seems to have been settled by nintendo and not in nintendo's favor um that has resulted in them paying twenty six thousand in back pay to to the uh to the developer who got let go it was nintendo and the contracting company was aston carter um and as part of that they also have a um a, an official notice that they need to pl- uh, place up in their entryway to let people know that we will not interfere or restrain or coerce you into exercising your rights to form join or assist a union so on and so forth yeah I mean, this is the latest. I mean, yeah, it seems like there's something every day. Like yesterday was Starbucks closing a location over unions, but Starbucks mm. is just an absolute garbage company. Um, it's becoming more common, and I cannot wrap my head around why content- companies continue to fight it and do things like fire employees because you just keep losing. Like at the end of the day, maybe if you cooperate and like, collaborate it's going to be a lot less painful than you continually having to pay legal fees because you want to be an asset i mean the reality of it is what they're still doing is still way cheaper than having a unionized labor force (laughs) in the the long run so if they they keep gambling on that uh because so far you know the past 50 60 70 80 years it's worked uh unions have really gone down the shitter in the u.s um and have been given a bad image stupidly as someone who is in a union, oh my god, it's the best. Let me tell you, it's always a good idea. Yeah. There might be things that a union does that you're like, oh, why would you fucking do that? But it's like, oh yeah, I still get all these amazing benefits, and we all get to collectively say, fucking pay us more. And they're like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, I guess we have to. And then you get paid right. more. And <laughs> uh, well, and a lot of a lot of our a lot of our labor laws and a lot of how like business works from a five-day work week and 40-hour work week that came from so much unions. stuff yeah the common stuff it, that's where it i think that gets ignored like that you know there's enough money in lobbying against unions that the disinformation's yeah. out there but there's also if you dig a little deeper you realize how much of an impact unions have had on capitalism and um, i would uh, for workers i would hope that this in gaming particular there's a very i mean we, there's fanboys for various companies and i know mm-hmm. there's it's not going to open eyes to certain people i hope it helps people realize like nintendo's a business mm-hmm. microsoft's a business sony's a business they're all going to do the same shit as much as they could say be positive about say positive things about whatever they are at the end of the day they're going to pull the same nonsense um, yep. they really are just out to get your money like <laughs> Mario's really cool, but they want your money in the end of, at the end of the day. It's kind of it falls into that same kind of like parasocial funkiness Ooh, yeah. that we've been having like so much between like personalities, celebrities, everything. And it's just like what well, now that now that companies or corporations are are people themselves, they have a personality on social media, you know. Xbox tweets a funny image about about Game Pass being in your in your kids' chocolate yeah. this year, yeah. Um, or Heaven Sword being <laughs> critically acclaimed MMO Final Fantasy fourteen. It's in your uh, kids' candy. Watch out. Yep, it's uh, you still gotta watch out. <laughs> yeah, I, so I, all the, the the workers that are doing putting in this work, I all for them have my support. It's big changes need to happen everywhere and that includes the gaming industry maybe more so because it seems the way that it's set up it's just way more advantageous because it takes advantage of that feeling of like oh man i'm doing this thing that i really like and i'm working for this company 
or whatever, and they definitely take advantage of that for people. Like, if you were if you were a kid and you said you told yourself, "Oh, someday I want to work at Nintendo," you're gonna be like, "I'm the fucking coolest guy in the world." Like, I work for Nintendo, and they definitely, I'm sure, take they take advantage, advantage of, that. of that. Yeah, totally. Oh, you're excited to work here? Cool. Oh yeah, you get to less. you get to work on the new Mario or, or whatever it is. Like, you you'll be like, "Ah, but I'm working for them." Like, I'll be willing to settle for less. It's like, uh, you know, especially for for some big, the like one of the biggest media franchises in the world, you don't need to settle for less. <laughs> no, no. Always, always, always negotiate your worth. And but they can if they're not willing to pay it, walk away. <laughs> uh, chances are you'll come away with the coolest story that you that you looked Mario in the eye and said, fuck you, then, then if you then spend the next eight years doing soul crushing work for overtime hours that you aren't getting compensated for. Yep. So I'm glad Nintendo got taken to task this time. I mean, I'm sure for this one instance, there's a lot more that didn't do it. Um, But it's, it's kind of cool to see this, this change, this generational change happening. Hopefully it continues because it's going to be a long, hard thing that like it's happening right now, but like, I hope it doesn't lose steam. For people because that's how that that that's they're playing the long game they're hoping to bog everything down long enough to where people won't, won't care anymore yeah and the more i mean with the with the weird fucky way the legal system works the more precedent there is for it the easier it will be for future cases where yeah. the qa guy gets gets let go for you know accidentally mentioning the word union at a meeting so the more that this happens the more steam this gets the more this builds up we're just going to see like exponential growth towards a more balanced healthy industry yeah so yeah every, this kind of news talk about it share it yeah say stuff about it and uh, where can people find this kind of news Otten? um uh, you if you google yeah <sighs> you motherfuckers <laughs> i don't know were you about to say news.google.com swear to god uh well I was going to bring up Ask Jeeves, but I don't think that's around anymore. Do people still use Yahoo? Is that a thing? Probably. Can you, can you imagine? So all the antitrust lawsuits against Google and all that kind of stuff. Imagine if it had been Jeeves that won search. How amazing. And so, been? yeah, Ask- you've got you've got the little guy fighting a dude named fucking Jeeves. <laughs> There's so many people that have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Google died forever ago. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. Anyway, I yeah. going to ask Jeeves, and it would like you'd start typing, and it'd fill it out in question form. It would, yeah. It always was a question. Yeah, it, you had to ask a question to Jeeves. Yeah. You could not put a statement. Um, anyway, man, the, that was uh, wild. We try to cover the union stuff as much as possible here at TechCrafter. So, if you're there interested in that news, there we go. Take a look because uh, it's usually if something comes up, it's on our radar, and it's. It's an area we definitely want to highlight as much as we can. So we should probably make sure we have a gaming union category. That might not be a bad idea. That'd be a <laughs> kind of a neat thing to have a just a page where it's just hey, here's all the union shit happening in games. Hey, by by the time this podcast is out, there may be yeah, there may be <laughs> that page may exist. there may be a, a gaming union topic page on TechCraft where you can check out all of That'd the latest gaming union news. That'd be nice. If it's not, expect one by the end of the week. Just keep giving myself more. Apparently, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them plug their own website. Is is what this experiment has taught me. For a little bit of fun, though, um, Mike Rose over at No More Robots. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's been having some pretty cool, cool discoveries with the launch of Build a Zoo. Yeah, he's been putting all kinds of cool stuff. This story and other stuff on Twitter about things. Yeah, that's if if you're someone listening that wants to like follow someone on Twitter who gives like hard data a really yeah. fantastic look at behind the lines of publishing and development and stuff, go go and check out Mark Rose on Mike Mike Rose. Mike Rose? Yeah. You said Mark, isn't it Mike? Oh Mike, Mike, Rose. Mike Rose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. That might have been my Australian accent. Could have been. Um, 
Australian. You've been, a, you've been in Mike America Rose. for how long now? Shouldn't that thing be gone? <laughs> 10 years. It's, it's going. Every time I go home, my family makes fun of me for sounding too American. <laughs> um, but they had been looking at the launch for Let's Build a Zoo um, on Switch specifically and noticed that all of their sales were coming from Argentina uh, because people were swapping store region you know, loading up the Argentinian, you know, Nintendo eShop and purchasing the game at a discount. But there was a run on effect from that because the the eShop only tracks numbers sold, not uh, not amount sold. So their game, which is, you know, at a lower price threshold and then was getting sold for less due to differences in, in the the local prices um, was then bumping its performance by giving it a spotlight on different e-shops around the world. Um, well, and to Argentina's part of South America and the, the U S e-shop is actually just the Americas. So it being bought in Argentina lifts it up in the mm-hmm. quote unquote U S e-shop because the way that, that that segments things is just the Americas. Um, yeah. So that was kind of neat too. Like that, purchasing through Argentina would also give the game more visibility in the U S and Canada, um, just continuing to steamroll, um, for them, which is awesome because I think when we previewed it, it, it was positive. Uh, the game's delightful. So on game pass, on game, yep, pass. Like, on uh, game pass, I've been, I've been too busy playing bad video games to have a chance to load it up yet, but hopefully <laughs> I'm going to get to it. Bad video games are also on game. Pass. <laughs> game pass it's got games <laughs> uh, good and bad you know everything in between at least they're um, free well it's an interesting idea because I, I it was to read through that story where he's like oh my god we're getting totally screwed and then realize oh it actually turned out to be kind of a positive thing in the mm-hmm. end because mm-hmm. it made, give, give like you a lot more visibility taking taking a loss on the front end yep. to then build bigger at the back it's the same principle as you know opening a opening a, a new shop or something and giving out 50 percent discounts for the first 100 people that show up yeah and i'd be curious to no, know i i don't know if he uh he'll, he'll put stuff out like this as well like he'll say oh we made the most money on x platform or whatever for this kind of game i'd be curious mm-hmm. to know if this is the switch is where they've made most of their money for that game now because I remember seeing other stories where, like, if something hits on Switch, it's everything else is nothing. Like, they, it makes by far the most money. Yeah, for them, like, uh, for especially for this tier of kind of game, the like higher end kind of indie game. Um, this is like where they thrive. I wonder whether he. I mean, he probably does have access to the the differentiation between people playing on Switch and people playing on Steam Deck. Because I yeah. know that a lot of people have been chatting on Twitter, like developers and publishers as well, talking about like how their Steam Deck has taken over their their core gaming platform. Um, yep, it would be interesting to see. The Switch is finally getting a run for its money. <laughs> yeah, which is wild. I, I guess I. I don't have a place for Steam Deck, but it was one of those like, man, I wonder it'd be kind of neat to have, even though I don't think I'd use it that much. Because mm-hmm. some people like it's it's powerful enough, like you just place your laptop if you just have a different little bit of a setup you bring with you. Like, there's no mm-hmm. reason you couldn't use it that way if you wanted it to just do both. I've been I've been kind of looking at one myself as a as an alternative to Game Pass. That's um, what I was thinking too. Same yeah, thing. I was to- like, that'd be per- kind of perfect. Yeah, you know, for any times that like my wife's watching TV and it's either between like my Switch or playing streaming Game Pass on my phone with a controller. If I just had a Steam Deck and just played the game on that, why the fuck not? Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the ability to launch more than Steam games too. With a Did lot that, of uh, none of us have the, the deck, do they? The dead man. Mm-hmm. No. But nobody inherited it. No. Unfortunately. That I think we buried with him. That he, oh, he specifically right. he wanted to, to make sure that him. no matter where he was, he wanted to be able to play uh, Stardew Valley. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to get an index and then I'll probably get a Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah. I, you know, I was there's there's been those little reports coming out. I know we're getting way off topic of what we were talking about, but there's the reports have, uh, coming out that Valve's about to put out whatever the next thing is VR wise, so it might be worth maybe worth bit. waiting. Uh, okay, didn't uh, a software patent also just got launched by them? So they may be yeah. doing something software wise as well. You know, I'm not yeah. going to be the first one to jump on it and say, "Oh my God, this is it! This is you know Portal 3. Yeah. Um, if only. It, I yeah, just it wanted to like play Star Trek Bridge Crew. Yeah. I just I still <laughs> want to play Half Life Alex like really bad. I've avoided reading yeah. anything about it. I know nothing about it purposefully. Well, there's been I some interesting like uh, action RPG games that have come out, but I want to check out. VR is like, becoming a way more my limiter. Space yeah, recently. my limiter is not having a headset, and yep. I want to do it. I think VR is definitely still becoming a very interesting headspace. Like I have, I have my Vive. Um, I don't have it hooked up at the moment because I've, yeah. I've like I moved computers. But VR still feels like, and it's been you know I've had the Vive for like seven or eight years now. It still feels like VR is in a state of like, oh well, it's it's coming, it's coming. Yeah. Oh yeah. It still stretches. Still like, building. It's still figuring things. It's out, still. It's just been sure. wild to me that it's kind of been sitting and like holding in this weird. Niche yeah. space for so long. I think it's its biggest shot is whenever the PSVR two comes out. Because I mean, if you have a console headset, that's the easiest way for your basic consumer to get into it. That's that's yeah. also kind of shot itself in the foot, and it goes back to you know Sony's "We believe in generations." Yeah, but the fact that it's not backwards compatible, but yet <clears throat> you know we hear um, pretty much immediately after we heard it wasn't backwards compatible, we had a whole bunch of insiders talking about how. Like, expect that every big PSVR developer they're going to update is, it is working on updating, creating a port, whatever. I'm sure. But then is that just going to be another wave of games to have to repurchase on the PlayStation? Probably. Probably. Oh. Yeah. Like stuff like Moss, you'll you'll see that that'll come to PSVR too. I guarantee it. Like the bigger yeah things. Um, but like so like when the yeah, PSVR two was the thing, I was like, huh. Well, depending on how expensive it is, might give it a shot because like if that's what you're other than maybe the oculus i guess that's the other basic consumer thing that people use or the quest 2 whatever quest whatever two, they're calling yeah, it I now think it's this the biggest yeah one. yeah uh psvr 2 might be the the other way people engage with it we need to happens we need well, the cost a of a ps5 deck. and a psvr is about the same as just a vr for pc yeah in most yeah. cases well if you're gonna get with well, like, one of the higher the, end ones. The valve one yeah that's like a thousand yeah, bucks yeah. we need a steam deck labo like they had for the Switch that you just like <laughs> strap a cardboard contraption onto your face, slide your Steam Deck in, and then just sync up two of yeah. the two of the Valve controllers. Maybe that's, that's the software patent. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. The, that's the big thing that the index has though, those controllers, like that they can actually the knuckle know controllers. That. Yeah, well, yeah. those seem like they just have so much more going for them. Like they can the haptic stuff where they can know what fingers you have on it. And stuff yeah. like that, so you can grip stuff with just one or two fingers, stuff like that. Um, oh, it's that's just interesting next, stuff happening. That's, I think, that's the next breakthrough. Is like we started with VR, where you have kind of basic controllers for the most part. Now you're kind of branching into it, can tell fingers. There's technology out there that can recognize like footsteps, um, yeah. and stuff like that. So when somebody figures out how to get that all inclusive platform. For less crazy. than a thousand dollars, I think that's when it takes off because We're then ways away. you can really open up some interesting designs. And then we'll be able to use it to take yoga classes in VR chat, and right. everything will be right in the world. We will be at peace. That's right. That's when true we we get world peace is when that gets invented. I'm you surprised that way? I'm surprised that AR didn't pick up as much as VR. Eh, VR is uh, tougher, I think, to like yeah, but translate like to an enjoyable stuff. experience. I feel like we heard about the HoloLens like really intently for like two years, yeah, and, then and then like nothing. Because <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, really yeah, cool like, stage demo. Yeah, if I had something to toss up between a Steam Deck to play my Game Pass games on, or just like streaming the game onto like a wall. I would totally want to just stream it onto the wall that only I could see. <laughs> it's true. Neat. Technology That'd be interesting. isn't there, apparently. 
Well, I think that's enough talking about the future. So, Otten, what have you been playing this week? Uh, nothing. But prior okay, to Rutledge, week, what have you been playing? <laughs> <laughs> prior to this week, I played a really cool game called Isle of Arrows. Is that right? Yeah, Isle of mm-hmm. Arrows. Yep. Um, I don't even remember how I found it. I found it and immediately linked it to Rutledge, and I said, sorry for... I said, this is your next game or something where I'm ruining your life <laughs> or whatever it was. And now I've got 14 hours in it. And it's a um, cheap game. I think it's what, like it's 13 bucks. Very worth it. Uh, mm-hmm. Looks great. It's a roguelike uh, tower, roguelike tower, a roguey wogey. My mistake. It's a roguey wogey tower defense um, game, which is such a, the, the, those marry together really well. It just hasn't been done very often. The other game was what Rogue Towers out there. Rogue Tower, right? yeah, it's another Rogue good Towers, one. the other Rogue like uh, Rogue like uh, tower defense game. Where in Rogue Tower, you're 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 building towers at like kind of any tower defense game, and the the Rogue like stuff comes in is that every level a new square comes in with a new pathway and new place to build towers. With Isle of Arrows, it's kind. It's not deck building is not the right thing. It's just they look like cards that come in because you're not building a deck. They just you just get unlock access to new cards or new like pathway types. But you start mm-hmm. on an island that could, that slowly builds out over time where you have land where you can build pathways and towers. And uh, you have an income and you can use that income to uh, like to get your next tower or whatever your next card, quote unquote card is. That might be a pathway or a tower or whatever. Um. But maybe you don't want to use your money because the more money you have, you gain interest, and that's the money you gain between rounds and stuff like that. So there's a little bit of strategy of when you want to maybe invest into getting whatever because you're not doing so well on rounds, like you're you're letting people through or whatever it might be. But it's 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 got a lot of super simple systems that work together really well. Mm-hmm. Like I remember I was I I got through something. I was like, man, I got I got I beat that level essentially, whatever it was that. Um, whatever they call them um and i was like man i kind of maps kind of like a map like it's just like a a set of challenges essentially if you make it through a certain number of waves you've quote-unquote beat that challenge let's say yeah um and so i did that and i was like man i kind of feel like i've learned i've kind of engaged with everything not even close like there's a lot of stuff going on so like for example like you have your basic uh, if you're a tower defense person has everything that you know is in there like a basic arrow tower it's a cannon tower and stuff but it's so like you get uh, uh arrow tower, but when you put one down, like some that you some cards that you might get, it also has a little square water that will take up space for you. And that kind of screws you because like let's say you need to put this tower down, but it's a it's along a critical pathway where it's like, man, that would be an ideal location to put another tower because it's ideally located to cover a lot of area to hit enemies. And so that's a strategy you have to work into it. And like these little water tiles actually play into other uh, towers that you can build that synergize and whatever and you can actually destroy these water things to build something there but that's a resource you can build up and you have these islands that you're on and the the area that you're building is limited but you have these quote-unquote bridge resources where you can build something in the sky essentially um, if you don't have the land area to do it but that's a limited resource so it's like oh man do i do that and then sometimes, like, you might get a, a tower. You don't have to use it. It'll Every round, it'll bring up your next quote-unquote card to use. Uh, you don't have to use it, and the next one will come up. And, like, the game even says that sometimes it's in your best interest not to use it because you have a limited amount of space to build stuff. So maybe you don't need to extend the pathway at this moment. You need the space to build a tower or whatever. So there's a lot of, like, strategic choices that you're making all the time that are exactly what I want to be doing in a tower defense game. <laughs> yeah, like you have to think ahead. Like, yeah, it's okay, fantastic. If this is the shape of the island, if I build a path like this, then I can put towers along it here and yeah. then turn it back so that it hits those towers. Well, and you kind of have like... to hope that you get the right, because like you'll get a pathway thing. You might get one that's a corner where it'll turn it. It might just be another straight stretch. So you're just hoping that you get the right pathway so you can build something ideal. Otherwise, you're like, well, I have to just kind of do it on the fly because I'm not getting what I need. Or you've got to um, burn through gold just to get the path. Yeah. 
pathway that you want. And so there's just a lot of cool stuff happening where you're building the pathway and you're placing the towers. And so like that, those two things together, it's just kind of like the perfect strategic decision-making that you have to make in a tower defense game. Like genuinely, it might be the best tower defense game I've played in, a in while. maybe the last five, six, seven, eight years. Like it's suit like people that like tower defense games. This is made exactly for you. It's fantastic. There's it's there's so much to engage with. It's so simple to understand, but to like use those mechanics effectively, it's like you if you think about it, like oh that's simple, but damn, actually to really get max, maximum amount of effectiveness out of this. I have to do X, Y, Z or pair for this or whatever. Like there's a lot of small little simple mechanics. They layer in over time that really change the game and change the strategy of it. Uh, it's just, it definitely um, engages that part of the brain that I like about tower defenses, like in a really good way. Yeah. It's a great game. Fantastic game. <laughs> it's very good. Definitely pick it up. Uh... Yeah. If you like tower defense games at all, look at it and i you will probably buy it right away <laughs> like i did i was like oh shit this seems perfect yeah good to have the confidence in that yeah so moving away from from fun little puzzly tower defenses what what have you been up to i've been playing dark tide the last couple of days for the beta um and i reviewed the last aura crew uh thursday i think um think i was on the higher end uh but just to touch on that one quickly it's a souls like um that basically touts that your decisions matter it's you like for once fantasy. they actually <laughs> but for once they actually do to where and i'll try not to spoil anything um early on in the game you run into this uh this rat uh they're like the ratkins and he's game looking has for a ring confirmed spoilers fucking a Sam will love it. Uh, <laughs> he's looking for this ring from somebody that got killed and you can give it to him to kind of complete that, that mini quest line or whatever. Um, but later on in the game, if you gave him the ring, it actually impacts the story in a way that you have to like go and free another rat so that they can run for office, um, which then ties into bringing two factions together in peace. And it's just like, every decision has a couple branches that come out from it. Um, Are these regular rats or anthropomorphic rats? They look a lot like they Skaven. They look like okay. Skaven. They do lot. look like Skaven. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cause um, I had just, I had just thought of like the generic, like starter fantasy quest of like fighting rats in sewers. <laughs> and I thought that, it was just that would like be way better. Actually a, a normal ass looking <laughs> rat just being like, Hey, can you give me this ring? And then you were like, Oh, and then like one has to like rise and this and that. And it's like, what the fuck are these rats doing? That sounds way better. <laughs> yeah, Regular it's, ass it's, rat. <laughs> it's definitely an interesting one. Um, and for me, I think the the story mechanics were what really sold it because it was every time I made a decision, I was like, Oh God, did I just fuck up my entire plan? Like I'm trying to reunite <laughs> these two in peace. Did I just make a mistake? Um, and in a couple instances I did, and I had to like jump through hoops to kind of get things back on track, which I liked a lot. And that you think you might be making the right choice, but it may not actually be what you think it is because down the line, it holds you up from doing something else. Yeah. Well, isn't there like, uh, so in, uh, there's like a, uh, reputation, uh, mm -hmm. mechanic, right? So can't you at some point be like, you know what, I'm going to go against them. And can't you swap? You could swap to a different faction at some point, couldn't you? If yeah. You, if I mean, you, you could to, be, it'd be you hard. Could be halfway, you could be almost all the way to the pathway to peace of these two things. And you can yeah. fuck it up at the last minute if yeah. you want to. Like, yeah, we're going to have peace. And then you just be like, actually, no, I changed my mind. And the fact that you can do that is is pretty awesome. It's interesting. Uh, and it, uh, it looked like, so I played it at PAX with the devs at PAX West and it seemed like it was a pretty good uh, game to have like a co-op just screw around with some people or somebody a buddy yeah there's like loot share and exp share and stuff like that it's like yeah. it's a more robust form of kind of like dark souls jump in jump out co-op um where you can kind of make decisions together throughout it and and um, that's all that good stuff so there's definitely a co-op element to it i didn't include that in the review because i didn't have anybody else playing it with me 
Um, but the core mechanics are solid from, a, um, you know, leveling up, you're still kind of collecting essence and you've got to go back and spend that essence and you can lose that essence. And at one point I lost like 60 K and I was really mad. Um, and then there's unique ways to get around. Like you'll make it halfway through an area. And then if you explore like just a little bit, you'll find a door that sets you all the way back to the start that you can then just circumvent a section uh, to yeah. get straight to the boss once you've gotten to it or whatever. Now you said souls like, but like from what I remember, the combat's a little more jank than a soul. Like you're not going to get the polish of a souls game, right? No, I mean there's there's definitely. I would say it's closer to souls light combat for the most part. It's closer to an action RPG, but there is definitely an element of you need to be dodging. You need to be blocking. Yeah. Um, If you die and you die a second time, all of your experience is gone. Um, And they also had kind of a, an interesting mechanic to where you could spend your essence for gold to where you could convert it to gold essentially. So if you're like, I really want to buy this thing from the vendor because it was, you know, 25 30 more damage than what i've already got you can just go grind for a little bit and then spend gold to kind of become stronger um or even you can upgrade everything up to a plus three but as you upgrade it you have to have higher stats too um so there was just like a lot of a lot of different mechanics that for me clicked really well as someone who is not identified with souls games or kind of that genre of if i fuck up twice I've got to basically start all over um, because I am not a patient man. Um, I just want to hack everything down. And uh, so if, this would definitely what, if you me. were, if you were gooder, wouldn't that not be a problem? Yes. Just got, I, am, got I am not, I'm, I'm not gooder. Um, so if you spend <laughs> the time to get gooder, then you would be, able that's to the only it. reason I beat the game is I spend the time to get gooder and memorize the <laughs> patterns. Cause every enemy has like, their own oh. unique patterns mm-hmm. and you can learn to dodge and all that kind of stuff sounds like um, you're ready to play dark soul go back to Elden elden ring nope nope oh having those having... don't have enough other mechanics to keep me driving forward whereas aura crew <laughs> i was actually like legitimately invested in the story that i was creating and wanted to get it to the end um i think that's always been the challenge for me with souls games is i'm just like you're just going boss to boss for the most part and to me, there's all kinds of environmental storytelling going on, man. I'm not yeah, good gotta, at environmental storytelling. You've got to read that ring that subtly references a different character that you'll run yes. into three quarters of the way through the game that will supply you with the answer to tell him so that he will give you a yes. different uh, cow skull that will then point you in the direction of the true relationship between uh, Winifred Mysteria and her estranged husband turned werewolf and yeah make sure to read every tombstone because they might have something to know you know that skeleton laying nearby that's the guy from the story that that you just read about that's him also two finger butthole um so that's that's the level of storytelling he wants Well, Rut's going to finish this and then go back to uh, replaying Leisure Suit Larry. So, yes, <laughs> that's a name I have not heard in a long time. Wow. Didn't a new one come out? Like, yeah, no, a couple like years ago, right? Or two? Yeah, a new one did come out. Don't act like you don't know. We it know didn't, it. it didn't get reviewed well. That I remember. I, how could it? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think any of the originals got reviewed well either. Fair fair yeah but i've also been playing the dark tide beta and i'll touch on that like briefly it's it doesn't have everything in it which was kind of a disappointment for me to grind up to level 11 hoping i could like check out what the crafting system is going to be like um unfortunately that was not the case but uh from a, a gameplay perspective it's solid i think that there's enough variety and they kind of rather than Vermintide 1 and 2, you were choosing missions and then choosing either modifiers or um, difficulty levels. Every 10 minutes, all the missions change. And sometimes it'll have a secondary objective and sometimes it won't. Sometimes it'll be like, you know, hordes hordes last longer or the lights are out, at which point you're basically just operating by flashlight, um, which is kind of deep rock galactic-ish. Um I'll be curious to see 
how things proceed in terms of the rest of the mechanics because the bait is definitely very simple. It's, you know, jump into a mission, um, complete the mission, and it's a little more objective focused to where you're either destroying and you're assassinating, you're fixing something, you are uh, loading up ammo, and then the last one's like you're killing a demonic entity. Um, and it was a lot of repetition because um, it was only three maps for the beta. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think there's definitely it. a lot of potential. The shooting's good. Like I played in typical me fashion, the sharpshooter, um, which has a significant amount of ammo and you can basically just nonstop shoot if you want. But if the horde gets you, you're going to get your ass handed to you. Um, so the melee really still is important. And I also like that in Vermintide 1 and 2, you had one of each class, and you could only have one of each class in your party of four. It doesn't matter this time. Like, I have I was in matches with four sharpshooters, or uh, myself, a psyker, uh, and a and two of the ogrins, which are basically just big tank dudes. Um, it, it doesn't matter quite as much from a, a party composition standpoint. It doesn't force you to have one of each. So, you know, if you're, if you and your friend like playing a particular class, then you can still play it together. And there's really not a ton of drawback other than some are obviously more squishy than others. Um, in terms of the, the, I don't want to say resurgence, but the, improved popularity of like four versus environment that we've seen in video games how do you think that it will that it will rank up do you think that you're liking it more or less than vermintide how is it compared to bad blood um you know does red out have competition to worry about it's definitely simpler like i think the thing i liked about vermintide was the the role system at the end Mm-hmm. um that kind of provided a little bit of incentive to grab all the tomes do this do that all that kind of stuff that's not as prevalent in terms of you get a specific amount for completing the mission or doing a secondary objective finding materials out in the wild um and instead of everything being like having essentially one cosmetic slot and then you have like headpiece armor so on and so forth in Vermintide. In this one, it's you have a gun and a melee weapon, and then everything else is cosmetic, um, which is an interesting change and definitely puts a lot more emphasis on the weapons, um, which is why I was bummed that we didn't get a chance to see the crafting yet, because I think the crafting is what will really That'll differentiate the way the, the game, game blows up. Yeah. Yeah. Really expensive. Because the, yeah, you hit level 11, and that took me like, I want to say 20 missions because I had a couple crashes and some other stuff. So there was some, from a performance perspective, there were some issues. Um, but I hit level 11 and then it unlocks like contracts, which are basically weekly things to complete that you get a special currency for that you can buy higher level weapons with. Um, so crafting, I think, is that last component I need to see before I can say it's solid. I will say the actual like combat far better than back for blood or some of the other ones. It it never felt like overly slanted Mm -hmm. or weirdly boring. Everything fit um, in terms of like world and the banter is, is classic dark tide banter. Um, There's like two, two girls that have like Scottish voice lines and it's just, I heard somebody describe it as aggressively Scottish. um, And I thought that 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 was pretty, pretty on par. Yeah, yeah it was good. hilarious. Scottish is amazing. Yeah, so it's if you're if you liked Vermintide, I think it's worth picking up, um, because you can still kind of play the class that you want to play, and it looks like there's going to be enough depth to have a significant amount of replayability. So. And uh, and that will also be Game Pass. It will, it? isn't it? It's November thirtieth. Uh. I don't I see to... it on their coming to Game Pass list, but I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. Uh, I might have that coming out. No, at, at uh, the loadout.com saying that it's coming to. The game is still set to be available Game Pass day one. Oh, there you go. 
You yeah. heard it here, not first, probably. <laughs> you were reminded <laughs> here first. Yes. <laughs> Checks out. Oh, boy. Uh, and my week has been filled with the delights of scorn. The new the HR. That's not how you described it to me. It's Yeah, so I gave it a 4.5 out of 10 um, because there's some stuff that it does well and then the rest is just kind of a bit muddled. It definitely feels like Ebb Interactive knew the vision. They said, we want to make an HR Geiger-inspired video game, and they fucking nailed it. They did such a good job nailing down that aesthetic. It is probably in my like game of the year for artistic direction. But boy, everything everything that links between those gorgeous set pieces is mush. Uh, the the puzzles were fun, but very limi- very linear. Um, you know, a lot of them pretty basic as well. Combat could have just been stripped out and it would have probably been a better game. I think I would have preferred some more like <laughs> on rails, like you're, you're running from some demonic entity a la the medium, where it like doesn't actually give you a chance to be powerful. It, it forces you to, to run away. But the things look like weird, like turd potato skins that, that shoot globs of acid at you. Uh, weird fucking game. And I have no clue what was happening. Um, the biggest <laughs> issue, I'm a very like story-driven person. The reason why I love Game Pass and playing so many games is the number of stories that I'm able to consume. There was just nothing there story-wise. Um, you know, I was playing the game for review, so I finished it which is part of our guidelines, which are publicly available. Um, but if it hadn't been for me knowing that I was playing a video game and that being the reason why I wanted to clear the next puzzle, I wanted to get to the next room, then I would have had zero incentive to move to the next room to clear the puzzle. And at that point, why even play the video game? Um, if there's if there's absolutely zero incentive um, it's it's like a five six hour experience, so even you know what you do play, you know you'll it's it's not pulling a lot of your time. It's not like you're getting forty hours into a JRPG that you feel nothing for. Um, gorgeous game, I recommend checking out some of the main set pieces. Uh, a lot of dicks. Yeah, lots of dicks. Very very in with the Geiger insertion fetish every switch you need to approach you are you know putting your your fingers into like weird fleshy holes and pulling or um there's one point at the very end spoilers that there is a jerk off machine that that flips up I saw that and image yeah yeah i i sent a <laughs> as we were all in the in the tech raptor slack joking about geiger's insertion fetish um and it's just just penises. Penises fucking everywhere. Some some Bob and Virgin, but mostly penises. I know the I know the feeling. <laughs> just dicks. Yeah. But yeah, it was like it's I'm so I'm so torn. It was it was uh I don't want to say it was a good experience. I don't want to say it was a bad it was non-offensive. Scorn is a non-offensive game. The game and with I a think- bunch of dicks and well, yeah, but I mean, sorry. If you're offended by dicks, then Scorn is a very offensive game. But in terms of a whole package, Scorn is a very non-offensive game. There will not be things that it'll it will be forgotten. It will definitely be forgotten. <laughs> um, which is a shame to say because I know that they've been working on that game for like eight years. Yeah, that you know it might have just fallen into that weird gap of trying to add too much or too little or lack of focus over time or the way that it restructured from being a small Kickstarter project to being two separate games that were going to be like released as an act one, act two to being shoved back together to being, you know, additional, additional publishing deals thrown onto it with game pass and stuff. It just, something got lost along the way. Yeah. 
Yeah, the review score differential is interesting to looking at like Metacritic and OpenCritic. You've got some yeah. sites that are giving it an eight, um, some that are getting it a four, six, five, seven. Like it's it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, um, I was I was reading like a nine out of ten and an eight out of ten and a seven out of ten. And all of the things that were that I was praising were the same things that they were praising. All of the things that they were remarking weren't good, like the combat and the checkpoint system, um, linear puzzles. They were all remarking the same things. It's just, I guess, you know, where the individual reviewer felt that that was important. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely kind of showed the. I don't want to say divide, but there's definitely certain mechanics that resonate with certain people. Mm -hmm. And that's that's hard to avoid. And this one seemed to have enough of the different mechanics that were important to people that it just kind of it's ended up all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some people on Twitter that are like, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Don't understand the reviews and other people that are like, I completely identify with the reviews. I did not like it. Um it's been an, it's been an interesting one to kind of watch the discussion around it over the last week. Um, yep. But I think that will be it for us this week on the Tech Raptor podcast. Um, as always, we will be back again next Monday. Um, in the meantime, if you want to check out any gaming news, reviews, and more, feel free to head over to TechRaptor.net. I think next week we should be back up to a full cast, but never know with with all of us being so busy um and hey leave a comment below uh did you have a chance to check out the final fantasy battle royale before it was gone or still have, have a you chance. had a chance yeah you still have a Gone's chance never for a little bit <laughs> all right with that have a good one